0: Welcome to Spiritually Gifted with host Joe Dudfield. This show goes deep into the experiences and beliefs
1: of those following an extraordinary life. Guests join us in conversation from around the world, sharing their stories, passions, gifts, abilities,
0: and wisdom. A window into the world of the Spiritually Gifted. Good morning, Ruth. It's so lovely to have you uh, agree to come on the show. I'm so excited. Uh, well, been given your first book years ago. So could you tell us how you started to investigate uh, ghost stories and how you got your interest in the paranormal?
1: Yeah, sure. It's really nice to be talking to you, Jo. And I'm really pleased to hear you've got one of the books as well, which is brilliant. Um, so uh, I'm in my fifties now and my first experience just with the paranormal was as a child. Um, And we had various experiences in various different properties. Um, We lived in a property in Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk for a while, and that had a couple of ghosts. And then we moved to a house in Wellin in Hertfordshire, and that had um, what could normally get described as poltergeist activity in it, um, and quite regular um, activity with that. And the whole thing just got me very interested in the paranormal and what it was that we were experiencing, and I started reading an awful lot of books and articles and everything. This was in the days before the internet, of course, because I'm old enough for that.
0: Exactly. Hmm. <laughs>
1: um, and I got very, very frustrated because I have a very analytical mind. I always want to collect data, um, and I got very frustrated that a lot of the books I was reading. We're just regurgitating the same old story yeah. Yeah. from years ago, you know. So it might be, you know, clanking chains in a dungeon or whatever it was, you know, grey ladies floating around, and nobody said what people were actually experiencing today very much. you mm. you find the occasional author that did, um, and they always fascinated me the most. But it made me want to start collecting the data, so I started a database. Um, can't remember how old I was when I started that but I, I must have been probably in my late teens I would think um, and at the top my very first job was as a library assistant so of course one uh, of the so things you
0: were used to index cards and recording everything cards, <laughs>
1: exactly. so my very first database um, was a card file and I mean an actual physical written out on cards card mm. file um, and I would just the, start keeping notes of those stories I found that were more recent and sort of happened within my lifetime Mm. um and gradually that grew and grew and my interest grew over the years and I read more and more and that sort of sparked to me the idea that I'd one day want to write a book and I used to say to people I'm going to write a book on ghosts one day Mm. um and people sort of used to poo-poo that a little bit like yeah yeah sure you will yeah sure you will Ruth um so when I was 51, um, I had the opportunity to partially retire from work. Right. I had some health issues and, and needed to partially retire because of that. Um, so that gave me four days a week when I wasn't working. Mm. Um, and my husband said, what are you going to do with your four days a week? If I'm going to write that book. And he sort of looked at me like, really? <laughs> You're actually going to do I'm this? Do it, you've been talking to? about
0: it for so long.
1: So, yep, yeah, I'm going to do it. So, uh, so I did. <laughs> Essentially, so I, I, I got my database, and by this time, I'd moved it off card file onto. Um, well, it's gone through a few iterations actually, but it was at this point in time, it was on an Excel spreadsheet on the computer, yeah. and it's huge. My database is absolutely huge, and I've added to it and found correlations. So I sat there looking at this database and thought. Crikey, how do I split that up into, yeah, if I put that in a book, in... it'll be, yeah, it'll be the Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica, yeah. Yeah. not just a book. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, what am I going to do to make that something that I can just write about and mm. practice, or, you know, see whether I can do it, see whether it's possible to get a book yeah. published. You know, I've never done this before. So I decided to write about the ghosts literally around here where I live, which is in Marston Vale. Yeah um Marston Vale is essentially um a glacial valley so it's a long low valley with low hills either side mm-hmm. that spreads roughly from Milton uh, from Bedford in the east to just yes. by Milton Keynes in the west and it has oh, several yes. villages along it and I thought well that's a nice succinct geographical area because yeah, I
0: can even picture that in my mind yeah
1: so you know you yeah, and it it gives you a succinct area to concentrate on. Mm. Um, so I researched all the sort of myths and anything to do with the paranormal that were from this area. And then I went out on social media and asked all the local villages sure. to put cards up in the shop windows and things. Mm. anybody really got any ghost stories they want to tell me. And I met up with quite a few of the people in person and interviewed them. Um, some I spoke to by email, some over Messenger or whatever it might be by phone and took their ghost stories, you know, direct from the individuals. Yeah. And then wrote that into the book. And wherever possible, I was trying to correlate what people experienced with what the myths were. Um, because
0: the, because some ghost stories do become folklore. Yeah. People add a little bit here and they add a little bit there and they, you know, they embellish it. So it's trying to get to the root of where that story
1: comes from as well, isn't it? Yeah. Is and is and impossible. It fascinates me, that whole... Mm-hmm. Um, movement of how the human mind records information over the years and and how people will interpret things Um, and whether or not that means that something is actually happening empirically in that area or is it happening within people's minds because of an area which I think does happen
0: it happens both ways doesn't it yeah. I, I, when I
1: was listening to
0: other interviews of you, you talked about when you were about five years old that you'd seen the kittens when you and your sister. Could you share that with my listener about how that? Sure.
1: Happened? Um, this was this was a visit that my family made to friends of our parents, and I was very little. I would only have been about five years old, maybe six, but I think I was about five. And I I can't remember exactly where they lived and my parents are gone now so I can't ask them um but it was in shropshire and it was a a very old cottage that they lived in these friends of my parents that we went to stay with and i remember ever going there the once so like i say i can't remember exactly where it was but it, it was an old cottage and it had um a, a sort of kitchen diner that everybody congregated in you know in that old-fashioned style mm. and then it had a parlor room that wasn't yeah. used the best yeah. Um, so my sister and I were bedded down for the night in the parlour room. They sort of pushed the furniture back a little bit and put a trundle bed in, mm. which is one of those old fashioned unfolding. Yeah, I know.
0: Beds. I know exactly
1: what you mean. Yeah. And they. Top and, they, tails. and tailed. Top and Yeah, I've yeah. <laughs> to do that with my cousins. Yeah, I know. The, I know the drill. And um, we were absolutely fascinated because this room had a real fire in it and yeah, um, yeah. coal fire and our house didn't have any real fire Sorry. it was centrally heated so we'd never ever slept in a room with a real, real fire we were just fascinated yeah at being allowed to be in this room on our own yeah absolutely. obviously it was a garden you know yeah but we were trying to stay awake to watch the fire and we were talking and the door creaked open and two grey kittens came into the room. Mm-hmm. Well, this was seventh heaven for us. We weren't
0: allowed I mean, pets at as a home, five and seven year old, like... old, I mean, that's just like <laughs> nothing better could have happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, literally, manna from heaven, kittens are in the room. And um, you know, at this point in our lives, we weren't allowed pets at home. So the kittens came in, they jumped up onto the bed and they started playing. Well, we were getting really drowsy by this time. It was mm. late you know the room was warm and stuffy and we started to fall asleep we were desperately trying to stay awake to watch the kittens who were jumping over each other and meowing and purring just like real kittens but the one thing we both distinctly remember about it is when they would jump sort of their front legs and head would take off in a normal kitten jumping movement Mm -hmm but the back end would kind of trail off into smoke and disappear. Wow. And then as they landed, they'd be a full kitten again. again. So they were doing this kind Long of... apparitions then. Yeah, jumping wow. over each other. But being small children, we didn't really question that at the time. We just loved the fact that they were there. And we fell asleep with them playing around us. So in the morning, when we were in this um, kitchen room, you know, all the family gathered there, the lady was making us breakfast she was making a cereal with warm milk and there was a big fat ginger tom laid on the rocking chair in the corner yeah. and i'd said i said to her can we play with the kittens today and she said wait well, i we haven't got any kittens love we've only got you know whatever the cat's name was this ginger tom um i said no no the gray kittens that came into play last night and she looked really stricken and turned to my mum and said we haven't got kittens but we used to have they were killed it on the road Oh outside. my word. Um, yeah. so I was again and, still too young to understand what they were really
0: absolutely, saying absolutely and you'd both seen it and this We'd is why I it. brought it up now when you talked about experiences that people have whether it's in their mind or whether it's an actual phenomena because when two people see it at the same time you have to accept that something has happened there that's that yeah, is paranormal absolutely. something has happened that's that's out of the ordinary
1: it certainly gives us a lot more kudos when two people or more witness them yeah and the
0: same experience and it's not like you were looking for it you were children and it yeah but it came to you and found you so did that carry on then from that point on did you continue to have experiences of your own and did your sister as well
1: yeah we both did um i think me more so than my sister um i mean even that we didn't at the time we didn't we still didn't think of that as we had seen ghosts even though I remember her saying that I just remember being really disappointed that we couldn't play with the kittens Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, so the next thing that I really remember is when we moved to Bury St Edmunds Uh, this was a bungalow a modern bungalow but it was built in the grounds of the old prison Um, and that the prison wall and the central tower of the prison are still standing and at that point in time the central tower was an old people's home oh Um, my god
0: can you imagine
1: yeah um so it was it was quite a luxurious one um you know with sort of individual um little flatlets in it Mm. on the various floors it was about four floors high i think this tower and then the main front wall of the prison was still there so to drive into the so there was, i think it was five bungalows and this tower and you drove in through the gate of the prison through this wall and it was then a private road it had a, a sign that said private okay. road yeah and you drove down a winding road and there was bungalows on each side and our bungalow was the very last one you came to and interestingly our next door neighbor there was called mr death <laughs> i kid you not <laughs> Your name? it was actually his actual name no was, yeah. <laughs> but he would insist everybody pronounce it as d s Yes, yeah, a bit like Mrs. Would, <laughs> yes, you Yes, know, no, no, it's d s You, you
0: know, can blame
1: him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and that cottage, uh, bungalow, we had um, a couple of strange things happen there. Um, we had a fighting of a little boy um, in, in perfectly modern day dress was wearing shorts and a T-shirt... And you'd see him most often standing in the bathroom with his back to you as you kind of walk past the hallway, as if he was having a pee in the loo. Yeah. Um, And you'd kind of double take and then think, hang on a minute, my brother's in the other room. Oh, my Um, word. Because he was about the same age as my brother was at the time. Um, So we saw him a couple of times and and kind of did a double take and like, huh. But on two occasions, my mum saw a lady in perfectly modern dress wearing a skirt and a top who, as my mum was working in one of the rooms, you know, housework, she'd glance up and see this lady walk past in the corridor because the corridor of the bungalow was a sort of L shape. Mm. So obviously, being a bungalow, it Yeah, my mum's got the same thing, the I know. House, correct, you know? Yeah. And at the very end of the L, was the very last bedroom so once she got into that bedroom there was no other way out yeah. you know um, and twice she went running out of the room she was working in thinking she'd got an actual real intruder in the house you know that a woman had walked yeah yeah, house, yeah 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 and, yeah and went running after her saying oi what, what are you doing yeah who the hell are you only yeah to, yeah so sort of only to find that she was now in an empty room um wow. nobody in sight
0: and but you talk have... about your mum as being quite an analytical person so she wasn't she a was, kind of yeah. person that would have
1: imagined yeah. that. She was, if she saw my it, mom, she saw it. She's absolutely, my mum was a, um, before she got married and had children, her career was, she was a radio engineer in the RAF. Oh my gosh, yeah. so really yeah. so logical, really. Back in those days, you know, I'm talking in the 1960s, late 50s, 60s, for a woman to get into the engineer corps yeah. was absolutely unheard of and she had to take extra exams because she was a woman to prove, to her, get right the to to prove her right to be there to work mm. on the airplane um so yes she was you know a very intelligent very strong-minded very um analytical and scientific and mathematical yeah. type mind um did she so ever she find would work out why she
0: saw it i mean did she ever i suppose you were young so she couldn't have really had that conversation
1: with you as such not she would now no but she she would just say well yes i saw it but there must be some kind of scientific explanation for it and she would always say there is no such thing as ghosts there is no such thing as spirits of the dead coming back to haunt once you die you die that's it she was a very strong atheist Mm -hmm. she had a very strong view that life ended and there's nothing beyond yeah her her view was set on that it cannot be spirits of the dead because i don't believe anything happens beyond death therefore there must be a scientific explanation and this must be some sort of phenomena um i think she favored a little bit the stone tape theory view yeah which for um, our, which could you explain that for my listener what sure so st- stone tape theory is essentially that atmospheric conditions or even conditions to do with the geology so for example if you're on a quartz-based rock or a granite-based rock or whatever or there's water on the ground but the atmospheric and geological conditions can sometimes hit exactly the right note if you like whereby when you add in the uh, something of strong emotion like somebody's death scene or a battle or whatever somehow those two resonate and form a recording mm-hmm. of what's going on of the emotion at the time and somebody coming along later on under the right either weather conditions or emotional conditions whichever can somehow trigger that recording and you and you then see the ghost of whatever it was that caused the recording whether it be the battle or the murder yeah. scene or you know whatever um, and that's a, that's sort of the basics of stone tape theory and I think my mum kind of leaned more towards that one as the yeah. most likely culprit. Yeah, um, but even she would sort of acknowledge that that has real limitations, you know, of course. I mean, clearly that little boy that we're seeing, I, I, I cannot for a minute imagine that he died whilst having a pee exactly so, but, so but there's nothing but traumatic there's nothing to record that. yeah, yeah. there's nothing to record that's just a moment of every day happening isn't it so is that more likely to fall into time slip or um you know where for a moment you see back into history at a time and maybe I, I, th-
0: I think it's all of those things i i i'm a medium myself and i've been able to see spirit like you since i was very small and had. And what I was saying about getting your book, it was somebody I knew when I was fourteen or fifteen who gave me that book. And when I was fourteen or fifteen, we lived into a into a house in London in a place called Walton on Thames, which is a very historical area. It's not far from Hampton Court. It's you know it's a part of London that was very um, busy and. very historical place and we lived in this big house and we had an annex on the side of the house and it had a huge garage i'd never lived in such a big house it was because my mum had um, left my dad and was with a stepdad who had already had this big property i'd come from a little council house in another part of london so this massive house was quite scary really um to live in because i'd never lived anywhere so big but and so used to tra- just try and travel around the house and like used to play hide and seek and things like that but in this annex we had a little pool table and we were allowed to go and play on this pool table and when I went in there on my own things would happen like taps would come on and go off lights would come on and go off and because it was an old house I think it was like a 1920s house and this is like the 80s so you know it had a bit of age to it and it made sounds and it moved and it creaked and you just thought oh the tap's coming on because it's an old house you know the lights thing because maybe the electrics are dodging I put it all down to to try and rationalize it but the experiences got more more often and I started to feel quite uncomfortable in that room and I couldn't go into the garage I couldn't go into the garage at all if I went in there to get I don't know a hula hoop or a football or a sun lounger chair or whatever I would literally run in grab the thing and run out I felt so uncomfortable and I was always drawn up into the rafters of the garage and I would tell my mum all of these things and she'd say oh you're being silly don't be silly you know what your imagination is like you know because I told her all the experience I'd, I'd had as a child but I was always told oh you're being silly or it's your imagination or whatever and wh- when I was a bit older and we'd left that house my mum said I didn't want to tell you at the time Joe. what what was happening in that house she said but two people had committed suicide by hanging themselves in that garage and oh, okay. the man who lived in the annex had thrown himself under a train so my mum didn't want to validate it when i was a child but she did when i was an adult because she didn't want to scare me too much and i've had loads of these experiences and that could be that stone tape theory i guess because they'd lived in those houses and obviously were going through different experiences that were obviously difficult for them But I've had so many experiences like that. So when the friend gave me your book years later and you're reading about these other people's experiences, it does give you some comfort. I mean, even as a medium, it's, it's not... I've only been a medium for the last seven years professionally. And so up until that point, I hadn't spoken to other mediums. I didn't know other mediums. I never spoke to anyone that had had these experiences. So all of these experiences I'd had, and there are hundreds of them, used to make me feel like either was it my imagination? Am I making it up? Am I seeing it because I want to see it? You know, all of those questions. When you realise that, like with you with the poltergeist activity, I remember you saying where you used to make hot milk at night and you used to have to put your hand over the switch to stop the oven from being turned off. I had things like that as well. And it's it's trying to rationalise it. And if you haven't got people around you that can kind of help you with that or that have had similar things you do start to question yourself as to
1: really... <laughs> you can do uh, you I mean real. it's funny because I'm I've always been a very strong character um and so I'm always very sure of what I want to do and what I think and <laughs> you yeah. know I'm a biker um you know and uh I do what I want to do when I want to do it mm. I've had these Numerous experiences over the years, I mean, you expect, you know, you mentioned the yeah. culture guys it used to move things in front of us, it used to throw things through the air, it used to, all sorts of things went on in that house. And I see people, when I do talk to people about it face to face, you see some people kind of glaze over and you almost see them go, Ugh, yeah, whatever, don't believe a word of this. And I've always sort of thought, well, you can believe it or not it's up to you yeah i know what happened i was there um so it, it never kind of put me off that other people hadn't seen these things what did put me off was that other people weren't recording the data <laughs> 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 for goodness sake people write books about it write articles about it get write it out
0: send it, it to it <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and that's where the huge drive for me Um, to write the books comes from you know I'm now on currently writing book number five and every time I finish a book um, I promise myself I'm going to take a break before I start the next one you know before I get all wrapped up in it again I'm going to take (laughs) a break and I can absolutely guarantee you that from the moment I press that publish button you've got about 24 hours before my fingers start itching (laughs)
0: that's wonderful and I think
1: well I'll just (laughs) sketch out a schematic for the next one, I'll only take a minute you know and and then I'll have the break and before you know it I'm off again.
0: And is it it that kind of drive to historically record all of these
1: things? Is that your drive?
0: What's your drive to write
1: the book? It's about, for me, it's about gathering that information and finding correlations to show that phenomena is occurring you know because for me you know people very often ask me do you believe in ghosts do you believe in yeah spirit? I wasn't going to ask you that, that
0: because I don't think that that's the point I think the point is is that you know there's lots of different kinds of phenomena and you want to record them
1: yeah and that exa- that for me is exactly the point it doesn't matter what I do or don't believe because actually even I don't know what I do or don't believe <laughs> for me it's about well there's phenomena so we need to explain it. We need to, we need to find what the answer to it is. And the only way you're going to do that is by gathering it and writing it down for posterity and, and finding the correlation. So, so my database, when every time somebody contacts me and gives me their story, the first thing I do is go to my database and see if I've got anything geographically close right. to where they are. Their story happened, and you and you'll be amazed with some of the correlations that come I, up. I,
0: I don't think I, I I don't think I would. I've worked on um I've done house clearing. I learnt how to douse. I was getting really strange feelings within my body at, when I was in certain places, like proper electrical responses within my body. And I met a chap who um, heals houses. That's kind of like his thing. And he's a dowser. He was uh, chairman of the Dowser Society. You know, so this bloke had real credibility. And he showed me what was happening and explained to me what was happening with my body and that I was dowsing for energy. And there are certain places that seem to hold this... They have stronger phenomenon than others. And I know people talk about ley lines and energy lines and I've experienced those. And I'm sure it's something to do with that. Where I'm certain places are right. more, yeah.
1: more, more active. The very first experience I had of dowsing was at the house at um wellin which was the one with the poltergeist yeah um, and when we had a patio built and the the uh building company came round to build the patio mm. out of nothing there was just some old concrete slabs down and we were having a proper raised patio put in and of course they needed to know where the drains and the electrical cables and water sure. pipes and all that ran um and my mum was stood outside saying to me like, well we haven't got any old maps of the house you know or, or, or blueprints or anything we, we weren't ever given any of those to know where any as that runs you know are we going to have to you know try and find them from the council so he said oh no no i'll sort it out and he went to his pan and he got out a set of dowsing rods yeah and proceeded to douse our garden to find the water yeah. channels the electricity cables and so on and he yeah. marked them all out with pegs and then carefully dug because my mum was absolutely fascinated by this of yeah. course and he carefully dug and every time he found either the water channel or the mm. drainage channel or the electricity cable, um, you know, he was completely accurate in what he was doing, yeah. which, you know, my mum used to say, well, I, I would never have believed that was possible if I hadn't seen it with my own, eyes. It with your own
0: eyes. And, and I was just I've got to, add
1: to my scientific mind, you know, that I've just had it proven that there's there's something about, field of resonance that he's picking up between absolutely. his and what's underground yeah. and actually he let us kids have a go with it did you know how to do it you know and and it was a really fascinating feeling when the, it is when the actually moved,
0: yeah because it know. does go through your body because your yeah. electromagnetic fields mixing with the electric field or whatever you're trying to find and it absolutely
1: and, and, and i do you think know, think it was that, showing us that as children sort of thing and
0: yeah but that's the best way when you're young because you don't have those blocks of what should be do you you're you're more open so what made you decide then having had all those experiences when you were younger and you've got a mum who wants to she loves to verify things and she's very scientifically minded so you've got that that influence there as well so you decided right I'm going to start collecting data what was the moment that made you decide that that was going to be a thing for you to do what did something happen or did someone suggest it or what set you off on that path
1: I don't think there was any one thing that set me off on that path. I think it's just the way my mind is built, to be right. honest. Because I'm one of those who, even as a teenager, um, you know, as soon as I hit sort of 12, 13 years old and, and started to become your adult mind more, if you know what I mean, my mind a, has gone always straight to researching. If somebody tells me something, I want to know the truth behind think, it. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my parents were atheist. they weren't interested in religion. And I went to a church in England school. So, of course, everybody at school was Christian and, you know, had this book, the Bible. So one of the first things I did as a 12 or 13 year old was read the Bible cover to cover. Because I wanted to know what they were finding so interesting so. that my parents weren't interested in. So. And I actually read it cover to cover twice. Um, which I find that most Christians haven't. I know, um, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. But you know and I, I read it the first time out of interest simply because I must have been about twelve years, twelve, thirteen years old. Mm. Just to see what my friends' families were different about what my family yeah. was. The second time I did it it was because um a chap called von Deniken had released a book called Charity of the Gods. I know. It, oh, that's such yeah. a good book. Yeah. It is a good book, but <laughs> she says, um, when I was reading it, although his theories were really interesting, I kept getting really cross because having read the Bible once, and he quotes the Bible a lot in that book, mm. I kept thinking, "I'm sure that's not what it said." when i not. Yeah, I read it was it. It, totally
0: taken out of context.
1: It was. So yeah. I, I had to read it again to prove that he was taking it out of context, and I made loads of notes and everything. I was thinking about. I, don't Gosh, know, maybe I mean, that's so
0: extraordinary for someone.
1: Yeah, a weird thing for a kid to want to do. So it's it's obviously just the way my mind was built yeah. and, and curiously my whole career has fallen into the same lines i spent 15 years as a fraud investigator Did and you? then 15 years as a bullying harassment discrimination investigator wow so my whole career has naturally gravitated towards investigating
0: and checking finding data, out the
1: truth interviewing witnesses yeah. finding out what people have seen what experienced yeah Um, so you
0: were naturally naturally, built really you were taken down this path of building you to this point so that your mind was tuned in to look properly
1: yeah it's just like do you you think you're you're an instrument
0: do you think spirit use you as an instrument do you think the universal energies are using you as an instrument in some way because that's what i'm
1: feeling it's well it's funny actually i don't have a view is the honest honest truth i just am who I am I, I yeah. like doing what I like doing but um I do work with uh, one paranormal company that I go ghost hunting with quite a lot and she always says the lady who runs that a lady called Nikki Yarka it's paranormal Eye, always says she loves it when I come on a ghost hunt because the spirits all wake up and want to join in yeah. and I, like, I, I swear it's because they all want you to write about you and them in their, yeah. in their in your book oh for sure I mean like
0: yeah things. you're you're definitely one of those people that wake spirit up and you're, you're carrying that energy I always call people like you a battery because they can use your energy to to materialize and and know that they'll be observed rather than used or questioned or taunted you just literally observe them and the spirit that's uh, they
1: love that they like to interact it's have certainly been on a number of ghost hunts in, you know, various buildings Um I don't like Ouija boards. I won't touch no, them, me, no, me, or, but I will agree to be present in the room while one's being used. You know, that's fine. And th- there's been a number of occasions on these ghost hunts where if I'm not in the room, the Ouija board is quiet and really not You're doing much. Yeah. But when I come in, it goes nuts um yeah. and starts responding and doing things in fact on one particular hunt that i was sitting in a different the room next to the one where they were using the ouija board they were using yeah. one of those spring-loaded ones i know which, which looks like a uh, for, for your listeners who don't know them to look at they look a bit like one of those cake tier stands that you yeah. get at afternoon tea parties yeah, yeah. so the, the three rings of the um ouija board on a tier one above the other each getting smaller and the planchettes on you know a different level sort of thing and it moves on a spring so spirit can either move the planchette or they can move the whole board or they can swivel it so Mm -hmm. it gives lots of ways for energy to be used is the theory behind them Mm -hmm. Um, and the group in the room next to where i was sitting quietly observing in the pitch dark hoping to see a ghost um i could hear them talking in the next room and, and they were getting no responses from this ouija board so they decided to see whether there was any spirit had come along with the people and started going around asking each person, please give your name to the board and mm-hmm. see if it wants to respond to you. So they went all the way around the board and there was no response. And then one bright spark piped up, well, what about the lady who's sitting in the other room? What's her name? Why don't we ask them if they're with her? <laughs> I'm sitting in the pitch dark in this other room on my own thinking, no, please don't. And I'm on my can't. own right now. <laughs> I'm fine, sat here. <laughs> um, but they, but my helpful traitorous friend who was in the room with them said, "Oh yes." So they said to the Ouija board, "Oh, you know, what was lady in other room." Well, then all I heard was a load of squeals and clattering, because apparently, as as they mentioned my name, the whole thing had leapt off the table and thrown itself on the floor.
0: Shush, oh my
1: gosh! <laughs> Um, so they tried it again, and they did it again. Um, so then they wanted me to come in the room and join. I was like, no, I'm not touching it.
0: You no, know. but you're, you it's are definitely hard. a battery. I can really feel that. So has there been any, any investigating or any experience you've personally had that's changed you, that's maybe formed your view of slightly different or changed you as a person?
1: I've had one recently that's changed my behaviour slightly. Because mm-hmm. it scared the living Jesus out of me, to be honest. I'm I'm normally quite stoic in. Um, I do a lot of ghost hunting, and I write about the paranormal, and I interview a lot of people about the paranormal. And when things happen, I'm usually I'm running towards it, trying to get it to happen the second time and mm-hmm. so on. It doesn't. It might make me jump, and it might make me go, ah! but it won't scare me away. Yeah, yeah. See you know what I mean? But this particular one. I've, I had somebody tell me a story about one of the roads near where I live, funnily enough, it's only about three or four miles away, and he'd said he'd seen a figure standing in this road one night, about two o'clock in the morning, that couldn't possibly have been there. So, naturally, I start researching this, I find a second person who's seen this figure. Oh, wow. At odd hours of the night that couldn't have been there. Now it so happens that I have to drive this road once every fortnight at night when I go to visit a friend of mine. So obviously, I take my ghost hunting stuff along with me and I start looking for this figure every time I drive along this road. There's a particular spot along the road where it's supposed to be of about mm-hmm. a third of a mile long. Okay. So this particular night was just before Christmas last year. Um, I drove the road home as usual. It was one of those nights where it was bright starlight and moonlight but patches of fog and mist forming so there was mist rising in places and fog falling in other places mm. and frost so it was one of those nights where it was alternatively dark and gray if, mm. fog, if you went through a foggy bit or black and bri- bright glittery moonlight if you went through a frosty bit yeah or black and silver and gray if you went through a misty bit if you know what I mean mm. I'm driving along in this kind of weather and I get to this point on the road and I'm carefully, carefully watching for the figure. Absolutely nothing. And I think, well, never mind. I carry on driving. I start thinking about other things. I drive another two miles or so along the same bit of road and all of a sudden, right in front of my car on a stretch of road where I've got my main beams on and can see at least a quarter of a mile, if not more ahead. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, right in front of the car is this figure facing away from me. And he was so close to the car that I had no time to react other than to kind of whip my head to the side to look at him as the car drove past him. Yeah. And so I was able to see that he was wearing the same clothes that the other witnesses had described. But this time, his colouring was all patchwork of black and glissary frost and grey misty colour. Wow. Not the the muted colour a real human should be if they'd been sitting there. And, of course, I'd I'd whipped past him because he'd appeared at the last second. And I drove that third of a mile, arguing with myself to turn the car around and go back and investigate. Yeah, yeah. I could not bring myself to do it. I could not turn that car around. And funny enough, I went round that corner at the end of that sort of third mile bit of straight. You're just coming into the next village there, and there's a rugby club uh, on the corner there. Um and there was somebody just leaving that who was also a chap. So I, he also was picked up in my headlights of the car and I watched him at the side of the road and thought, You see, I can see the colours of his clothes. Yeah. Okay, they're muted because they're in yes. car headlights yes. at the night. But I can see what colour his clothing is. Yeah. Why was that other chap's clothing looking the way it did all camouflage glittery and black yeah. and grey? It it just wasn't right. No. And I couldn't bring myself to turn on, And I was really cross with myself because normally I would always go back and investigate. Sure. But something about it was just scaring the pants off yeah. me and I couldn't. I have never yet, it's now July, I've never yet managed to drive that road on my own is at night
0: true? again. So I do
1: can't you think, bring myself to do it.
0: Do you think you sensed an energy that was a bit more malevolent?
1: Well, it felt bad is all I can tell you. Yeah. And I didn't want to go back and see it. Yeah. Um, that's all I can tell you. That's the feeling yeah. I had, but interestingly, I then went out on social media, having found two witnesses already now myself, I went out on social media and asked whether anybody had experienced anything along that road. Don't, and I never put what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you experienced something? Cause I don't want to influence sure. what people are giving me. And a lady wrote back to me, she emailed me and she told me a story she and her husband had driven along that road some years previously late at night and, and at the same spot where everybody else had seen it not the spot where i saw it they came across this figure standing in the road at two o'clock in the morning but at this time he was standing right in the middle of the road so the husband had to brake and swerve to go round him wow. she saw him looking at the car so she could describe his face the husband said he couldn't see his face And both of them, having braked and swerved to get round him, she described to me in her email how the two of them argued for the next mile that they ought to go back and check in case it was somebody with dementia. Yeah, 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 yeah. An elderly person in trouble. Absolutely. But neither of them could bring themselves to go back and check.
0: Isn't that interesting?
1: Yeah. And she says, all these years later, she says, I still beat myself up about it because I can't explain logically and rationally why we wouldn't go back and check but neither of us there and in the end we we explained it away to ourselves that we weren't going to go back and check because maybe it was one of those traps you hear about where people pretend which is to real be, yeah it happens yeah yeah
0: Absolutely. Where
1: people pretend to be in distress and yeah. then out and somebody leaps out and they rob the car yeah. or whatever she said and so we we kind of logicked ourselves into we'd got yeah, to talk ourselves
0: into that. that reason yeah
1: we said we knew it wasn't a valid reason all this is all in her email we knew it wasn't really a valid reason because this is a tiny back lane at two o'clock in the morning yeah if it has one car every three hours it would be a miracle yeah, if
0: you're a carjacker it's not yeah. the place you'd park yourself yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could sit
1: there all night just getting cold and wet and never a car wow. would come by you know so she wow. is, she even knew that it wasn't really a logical truth but she couldn't explain why they, they couldn't bring themselves to go back yeah. and i wrote back and said well actually other people have felt that um she was like oh thank goodness for that Perhaps yeah it, it validates you know?
0: absolutely because i i read in one of your books about nunny the nunny road the nunny castle road to froome in somerset because i'm in yeah. somerset And I've I've been to Nunny Castle and that road is very similar. There's a lot of experiences where people say there's been a hitchhiker, someone that that wanted a lift and that's very similar. And my husband and I, we went to try and find it, but we didn't have any experiences. But I do wonder, like you said, if the atmospheric conditions have to be right, if it's something about the timing, if it's something about the energy you're carrying that means you're going to have this experience.
1: Um, And I always liken it to... We all know that the birds' robins are very territorial, don't we? Mm. They have very distinct territories and you may well have a robin living in your back garden. Yeah. And you go out in your back garden several times every day, perhaps to hang washing, maybe to let your dogs out, maybe to go and feed your guinea pigs, whatever you've got in your garden or to go and do gardening. How many times do you actually see that robin?
0: That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, not and very... the truth
1: is, probably not very often. You yeah. know he's there because you know it's his territory and occasionally you hear him but you actually see him probably two times out of 10 maybe that mm. you're out in the garden yeah that's I like that that's such a good way of looking at phenomena it phenomena is the same you've got to go to that place 10 20 times in the hope of experiencing
0: what yeah, that's so true that. that's so true
1: yeah
0: so what would be one of your most memorable stories that you've been told do you have some that stand out that you'd you'd be able to share? Is there some that kind of sh- made you stop in your
1: tracks? There are so many actually. Um, and I, I normally talk about the Risley one cause it's my favorite. Um, and so I'm hoping any of your listeners haven't listened to me talk about it before. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure they'd, they'd love I, to hear it again I, if I Risley <laughs> is a village in North Bedfordshire. Um, and I came across a, a story in a book and which is, you know, how my database started, other people's store, you know, recordings of what happened. Of a farmer who was working on a ditch on the side of a road next to one of his fields by a big hedge when he heard the sound of a horse galloping towards him. So he looked up and sort of stood back thinking, hello, you know, who's coming at that speed?
0: Because that's a distinctive sound as well. The
1: galloping horse, absolutely. And the sound of the horse galloped right up to the hedge that he was standing next to, crashed through the hedge and on down the road, but there was nothing to be seen. What? Absolutely. And this yeah. had happened in the 1980s. So I went out on social media. Has anybody experienced anything You know, along this particular yeah, around this village? And I got... I am now up to account number seven. There's five in the book Roadmap of British Ghosts. There's another two I've not since that one was published of people who have encountered a horse-type entity in the lanes and villages all around there. Six of them are actually around Risley. One of them is at Milton Ernest, which is only a couple of miles away. And, and across the field, it's even less. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably the same entity. And people either hear it, so they hear the galloping, or trotting it's not always galloping or they see the outline of a horse and in one occasion they saw the outline of a horse in a, a next field over that was in a oh gosh so whatever it is is horse related and doesn't yeah. doesn't seem to have a rider um it seems to be the ghost of a horse now whether that's just because the rider is indistinct or obviously the people mm. who hear it you wouldn't know if there was a rider on his back or not, because ox or any hearing loss. But I've now got seven accounts since the seven. 1980s um, of a similar entity all around that village. And that one just, I you can't, can't tell you how many nights I've spent parked up at the side of the road <laughs> around there <laughs> trying to experience <laughs> it. Like, where I live, it's like, I want to see this entity.
0: <laughs> it's really odd, isn't it, that most people would be worried about seeing things i mean they they think don't they about 80 percent of people believe in ghosts and yet a lot of people are frightened to see anything or experience anything but when people do experience it it does change them in some way it seems to it's it it just seems to change them and and i i I don't really know how you'd explain why it changes people it just seems to because they have suddenly had a glimpse that Maybe there's something more than what they thought. The world was just this three D thing. And I, all I think. That that's exactly
1: it. Uh, and, and I always say, when people, you know, when I get chatting to new people who don't necessarily know that, yeah, I'm, yeah. Good, that I'm an author, when I mention the books, because you know, good salesperson try and sell me books mm-hmm. whenever I can. Um, I often get that very sceptical first um Reaction like, well oh, ghosts! You know, do you really believe in that? Do you make all the mm-hmm. stories up yourself, are? Uh, um, and when I sort of, you know, give, you know, no, I'm serious. You know, I, I collect data and I write about ghosts and what have you. And I'm very. Happy. I would guess that out of the people I talked to, about 98% respond with, mind you, there was that one thing. This I would. Totally whatever, whatever, think. whatever. And, and Totally, because some sort of paranormal experience they've had, or inexplicable experience yeah. had once in their life, that just made them think, I don't know, there's something more. There's to something more than I thought than. There
0: was. Yes, and I think, and as a medium, I have people come to me for readings, and sometimes family will book them in, and you get real skeptics who literally sit there, arms crossed, legs crossed, and. i always find those some of the most gratifying people to read for because suddenly they realize because i call myself an evidential medium so i do i want to give them evidence i'm not about saying oh there's a wonky picture in your house or there's an electrical appliance that isn't working i'm not about that when you're actually telling them the names of people how they died even things that you tell them they have to go back and research and they find out from family members it's lovely seeing that reaction as they realize that this world might not be as flat as they imagine and i i found when i was researching your work and listening to some interviews and i and i got um your latest book um um i've got the name down here it's um these haunted times isn't it the part yeah these haunted times volume one yeah (laughs) yeah volume because we know there's going to be loads more um (laughs) it made me realize actually even as somebody who works in this world that i've had actually hundreds of experiences that I never put down to anything paranormal I think sometimes people get used to them especially if they live in a haunted location or if they're I worked in this big school um, for 10 years i was a house mistress at this boarding school and it was jacobean and actually there's a skull there which is said to be thomas cromwell's skull Um, but i don't know that there's very much proof and it has to be kept in the house that's at the gate of the school otherwise bad things will befall the school and in this school there it was huge and do you mind if i share a couple of experiences with you i'd love to know your thoughts i i had a house of about 20 girls and they were aging ranging from about nine up until 11 in this particular house and on a sunday i would work all day and we'd take them out on trips so you used to have to herd them all up gather them all up make sure you no one was left behind in this particular building i worked in it had the boarding house and then attached to it were classrooms and so there was a few different ways to get in and out of this building and I'd gathered the girls together and I knew there were some boys playing over there as well. So I went over just to check I'd got everyone. And I was just going to do a sweep through, just walk through, make sure everyone was out. And I saw this little boy run up the steps into the building and I thought, little bugger, he's trying to get out of going because we used to let the younger ones stay behind sometimes. So I went up, followed him up the stairs and went up. I never found him anywhere in that building. And went down to the, one of the house and said, are you missing any boys? Is everyone accounted for? We got everyone. Yep. Everyone's accounted for. And as I looked around, I saw him stood at the top of the set, almost. But he, I know he wasn't real. We had an an electrician working in a basement of the school, which had been turned into showers for the boys. And he was working one day doing like you do electrical things when you're an electrician and he was drilling into the wall. And he saw a big black cat come out of one side of the wall, walk across the passageway, and then go into the other wall. And he'd come out just white. So he refused ever to work there again. But the the biggest thing that happened to me, we used to have something called an exeat, which is where boarding school kids can go home for the weekend. So they all go home on a Friday, and they're back on a Sunday night. And everyone has to go home. It's kind of when you clean the boarding school and all that. So I'm at the top of the house at this point. And this house, like I say, it's Jacobean. So it's a very, very old building. And I'm in the main building. And I'm the only one in this whole house. The other boarding houses are, are satellite houses on the, on the site. So I knew I was on my own. And I would put the alarms on at night. And because of boarding house, you'd have doors leading from the boarding house. They were all alarmed. So if anyone left your wing, as it were, the door would go off. So you you know when someone's come in, no one can come in without you knowing they've come in. And it was always a little bit creepy up there. It had an energy of, it had a heavy energy. And I never used to particularly like being there on my own. And there'd been a fire there years before. And someone had climbed into the eaves to try and escape the fire and they'd died. So, and we all knew that was a fact. Because the lady who, another lady who was one of the housemistresses, her family had owned it. It was her ancestral home. So we knew the stories were true about the fire. And I'm up there and it was, I don't know, 7pm. It wasn't too late and it's in the summer. And you've got to make sure all the girls have gone home and you tick them up on on your sheet when you've seen them leave. And um, and I'd done that so I knew everyone had gone home. I went into my bedroom part, shut the door, put the kettle on and I heard one of the doors open and close. And I thought, and these are heavy fire doors because we're on like the fourth floor.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I went out and... No one there. Went and checked all of the rooms, shouted out and said, girls, is anyone here? You need to tell me if you're here. But in my head, I'm going, the alarm didn't go off. I know the door's alarmed. The alarm didn't go off. So I giggled to myself because I knew there were spirits there. I giggled to myself and went back in my room. Then another door opened and slammed. And another door opened and slammed. And this was a sequence of events. So I went out there and said, this has got to stop. (laughs) I said, I can't cope with this all night. You need to give me a break. I can't, I can't cope with this. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed from being playful. It suddenly became became really heavy and really unfriendly. And I ended up locking myself in that room. In fact, I needed to use the loo a couple of times in the night, and I literally ran to where the bathroom was and ran back. But those doors were slamming, opening and shut all night.
1: My goodness, you're braver than me. I think I would have left at this point. I don't care. I'm not saying with these doors. <laughs> the atmosphere changes yeah it's where re- it is a grateful re- feeling but, yeah yeah I, you know I've, a couple of times i've experienced that heavy atmosphere you're talking about um and you know it, it's not nice what
0: do you think that
1: is what, what no, you, i have it, no idea because I've, I've, I've got such an i've got such an open mind about phenomena and what have you mm-hmm. and if i'm really pushed pushed into a corner to say well what do you actually think I think that the answer is that there's going to be a lot of different explanations I think some phenomena that happens will be something like the stone tape theory or something similar some phenomena that happens I think will turn out to be caused by the human mind itself um, actually having a physical yeah. um, effect on the world around them so creating the phenomena if you like um, and that I think some will turn out to be time slip type things. Some will turn out to be something with second dimensions or something like that. But I'm beginning to, you know, really have a strong feeling that a lot will turn out to be to do with spirit as, as people like yourself describe it, you know, because I, obviously I talk to a lot of mediums and a lot of people in this field with what mm-hmm. I do. And sometimes, you know, there's something about, Places have a good feel or a bad feel to them. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And even people who don't believe in or aren't, have no interest in this field will describe that feeling mm. of, you know, oh, it didn't feel nice there. They won't describe it to a paranormal like somebody like us who's interested in the field mm. would do. But all humans do it and animals do it as well. They really do, Yeah. You know, animals are very receptive to what feels good or what feels
0: bad.
1: Mm. it makes you wonder you know as as energy changes is there something that changes the world around it that something to do with quantum physics quantum mechanics whatever that you you do actually change the world around you with i think you do and Quite I, and I
0: that thing when you're when the hackles go up on the back of your neck but I, when people say to me that they don't believe in in um, places having an energy I always refer them back to when you're buying a house because people say within the first minute or so you decide whether you're going to buy on that house normally and they call it the feel of it and so yeah. anyone who says they don't believe in that I always refer them to that and say well actually when you last bought your house what did you base it on and they'll say it felt right yes because
1: and we so all it is respond a real phenomenon that phenomena around
0: us yeah and I think different people respond in different ways depending on what they're carrying what they've been through I do think the mind plays a really big big part in it I there was a recent one I again I'd love to know your thoughts on this one it was it uh, on Exmoor and it was all over TV a couple of weeks ago in a place called dead woman's ditch up on Exmoor and it's a place where a lady was murdered supposedly by her husband and, um, it was sensationalized in one of the tabloids. And they'd said that this ghost was shouting out the F word at people as they were walking past. So I said to my, and I think someone even set up one of these cameras up there, um, like a ghost watch camera thing. I said to my husband, let's go up there. And we went up there and I kid you not, when you went into the woods and it was a very beautiful, beautiful place. And this wood was a very old oak wood, but there were no birds singing. It was yeah. really bizarre when we went in and it wasn't until we'd been walking for about half an hour. My husband said, Joe, he said, if you realize there's no birdsong in here and there was not one, I mean, we st- I even videoed it for a few minutes. There was no birdsong at all, but what I felt had happened there because loads of people had been there to ghost hunt this place and people had had experiences there of seeing a gray lady or a white lady, which I did see while we were up there. I did see the white lady while we were up there. Um, it was almost as though because people had been going to look for a murder victim and they'd been going up there to look for something which was really heinous and she'd been pregnant when her husband murdered her and then he had been hung in a gibbet or a gibbet I think they call it and he was left there for a year and this was back in the 1780s and yeah. his, body, his body had been left to rot for a year where his parents could see it I mean, it was such a tragic tragic story But people were using it to sensationalize and they were up there ghost hunting and they were doing Ouija boards and people have been up there doing rituals. And it struck me that, I mean, I do believe in paranormal investigating, but it just felt really, um, it didn't feel good. It felt like the actual energy that was up there was not of those poor people that had had such a tragic end. It was everyone projecting their need to find something horrible or scary or frightening or horrible. That's what had kind of marred the place. Do you think that happens?
1: I think it's quite possible. And there is the Tulpa the theory, isn't there? That, you know, if enough people start to believe in a phenomena, particularly, you know, you can create a ghost, you can create a whatever by people creating the energy to believe it. And there, there was an experiment done um in London I can't for the life remember when it was where they think they did actually create a or think they did wow, you know they, did they? they they said there was a ghost somewhere or other and they you know put the story out and people started seeing it um and I definitely think there's something about people's energy can change a place mm. so I remember being taken to um Dachau as a child
0: oh my which God. is one of the
1: concentration camps yeah. um, in Germany yeah from the second world war and our parents took us there when we were old enough you know um because they wanted us to know the history and know you know so that we understood how the world had been a terrible and what the, the war meant and all that um and it is absolutely true the day we went to Dachau um it was a really really hot summer's day there were insects buzzing birds chirping you know typical hot sunny day and as you walk across the green grass entrance to Dachau, you step foot inside, the, and it is just a green open area. Um, there's very few buildings left now. Um, it all goes silent. Really? The birds don't fly over it. The insects aren't in it. Um, so on the perimeter of it, birds, insects, hot, sunny day, step over the perimeter, silence from nature you know and and the atmosphere is charged and heavy and so there's definitely something about people's energy can yeah. change um but, it, but it's the same when you look at animals isn't it you know a herd like herd yeah. animals like sheep yeah. or horses or cattle or whatever yeah. one spokes the others will all react even yeah. though They didn't necessarily they aren't necessarily near enough to the one who spooked to either see that one spook or see what it spooked at. The energy spreads through the flock or the herd really quickly, you know. Um, and so there is something about the way we interact with that with the world around us and the energy we bring, you know. And I do think that in time, people like yourself that explore it as a medium and what have you and are adding to that field with that level of knowledge, people like me who research it and write books about it, one day, there'll be that breakthrough and it's not, you know, so. they'll figure it all out and how yeah. it links with science and how I, it links- I, I, I think so,
0: because I'd love to have my brain, I'd love someone to hook me up. I'd love to know what happens. Why do I know the things I do? How do I sense the things I do? How do I experience that? What is happening in my brain? Because something must be happening that's slightly different, that I can tune my radio into something that's a slightly different frequency, because yeah. I've no doubt that m- my gift is real because I've, I've had too many experiences to show me from people validating what I've given them to know it's not real. I'd love to know how what makes my brain different. Yeah. And I think they will figure that out at some point. And I think it is about frequency. I just think that sometimes people like yourself, because you've had experiences, other people that have had these these momentary so it's maybe one-offs but some people that have lots of them there's something that their brain is able to do that tunes into this different frequency and like you said it's in so many so many different ways isn't it that that you it's hard to quantify it as whether it's ghosts or whether it's a time slip or whether it's a portal or whether it's the stone theory or whatever it is it is that it is It doesn't matter why it happens. What is important is to record it and see what that might be. That's how I feel.
1: That's how I feel. And and I, you know, for me, there's no longer any question. You know, there hasn't been for many many years because I lived with a poltergeist. And I'm, you know, once you've lived with something that will happily move objects in front of you, and you just, you know, and I mean properly move them, not just didn't you have something happen with a
0: tea towel?
1: We actually, my mother and I actually stood one evening. um, about six o'clock in the evening because it was tea time um it was summer so it was broad sunshine really nice evening we were in the kitchen we, it was my turn to help clear up from the tea things we used to have a rota for us three kids and we were chatting away and clearing up the radio was on and we caught movement out the corner of our eye and we both turned to look at the same moment and there was a t- an ordinary tea towel scrunched up on the side you know somebody somebody chucked it on the kitchen mm-hmm. work surface and we watched it flatten itself out from the scrunched ball into a flat surface and then fold itself once that way i'm doing this with my hands of course yeah 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 yeah. fold itself once from left to right say then fold itself once from top to bottom and then fold itself again from right to left so you ended up with a neat little square what did you both do we both just stood there with our mouths open watching it do it it took it a good i don't know 40 50 seconds to do it you know, so this wasn't a fleeting little glimpse. No, 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 watching something smooth out, fold, 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 and then just sit there all smug looking because it was now... Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just, it wasn't scary. There wasn't any sensation attached to it because it was a perfectly ordinary summer's evening. You know, the radio was on it was just this tea towel was doing what tea towels don't normally do it's a shame tea towels don't normally do that because think how useful it would be if they did but <laughs> yeah and with washing <laughs> <laughs> so, you know and once you've stood and watched something like that you you can't you can't I think I put it down there but actually now it looks like it's moved there yeah when you look at a lot of poltergeist stories and people's experience with poltergeists a lot of them are we heard a noise and turned round and a stone had been thrown yes we didn't actually sees a stone in flight for example mm. or we put a book down on the arm of a chair and left the room and came back and the book had been moved to another part of the room yeah our poltergeist we, were never that subtle you know if it wanted to move something it just flung it across the room in front of you so did you, you ever know, get it
0: investigated then did you ever get anyone no, in to come see who it was no
1: no, my my mum would never have um, gone for that kind of. Did you
0: used to talk to it and ask it why
1: it was there, or no, no? It never occurred to us to just you know, um. And sometimes it would it would do really odd things. Like there was one evening, my sister and I shared a room, and um, we both heard a rustling noise and glanced up from what we were, I think we were doing homework or something at the time, and we both glanced up, and honest to God, there was a magazine page floating through the air. What? And it started near the ceiling of the room and in a sort of undulating movement fell down slowly from the ceiling of the room and fell down out, out of sight behind one of the beds. And we can That's see it amazing. clearly enough that it was a glossy page from a glossy yeah. magazine Yeah. and it had writing on one side with some photos and like some kind of food advert on the other side. So like, you know, pictures of food on the other side and it kind of undulated down with yeah and fell down behind the bed we both scrambled to the ends of our beds to, to look at it laying on the floor There was nothing there it wasn't <laughs> there that's
0: incredible
1: and it, it, I mean it just did some astonishing things that poltergeist and, and you can't say to me well it must have been your mind playing tricks when I've Pardon watched you I've because both watched
0: saw it, it so you know, you know
1: I've, I've watched a knife spinning through the air I've I've watched what it does you know um I should, I see think... it's, the phenomena is there there's no doubt about that so therefore I'm very open to other people's experiences with phenomena um you know to anybody who wants to write to me to give me their experiences for the book I am never going to poo-poo you or not listen this is wonderful um, I mean, I'm not going to give you the story because you you must buy these haunted times too when it comes yes. out yes well um, can I I just story. want to
0: mention a couple of your books so well, you about... you
1: before you do, you must just read these haunted times too, because it's got a lot of sausage in it. What?! Exactly! <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> seriously, you will not, you know, it's a really simple little story, but it, that's what I mean exactly about, there are such weird phenomena happen, and this sausage, you won't believe what it got up to. So, <laughs> you've oh, got to yeah. read these haunted times too. Roof,
0: this is just price is treasure. So, the first book you wrote is Miles and Bear, which is the one I talked about earlier that set me off reading ghost stories. The second one is um, The the Roadmap, isn't it, of of British Ghosts, where you... The second one was
1: actually Almanac of British Ghosts. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, and then the third one was Roadmap of British Ghosts. Roadmap. And then the fourth one was These Haunted Times. These Haunted Times. So, there's a real mixture...
0: and and so you're going to carry on with volumes of these haunted times and keep going with
1: that well there's definitely going to be a these haunted times volume two um because i'm writing that now and i'm currently toying with the idea of a roadmap volume two um yeah. because i've i've got loads more road ghosts um and I, I was some of them were making an appearance in these haunted times volume two and now i've started to think oh perhaps i'll to split these out and That's have a certain road so I haven't quite decided on that yet, but there might be a roadmap volume two, but there's definitely going to be at Least Haunted Times volume two. Um, I, 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 I really I... start to like, um, past that, once i finish this one, I've got a real desire to start writing about wider than the UK. Because um, i I'm at all my books are UK centric. Um, and I, I really like to pick up Ghost Stories from Elsewhere in the World and see if there's any difference.
0: So, I think that would be fascinating because they, they are there, aren't they? I mean, they're yeah. same
1: so And different ideas. Does that change the phenomena they're having? Of what you see? Who knows? Depending on your religious
0: beliefs or your cultural beliefs, yeah. does yeah. it shape what we see? Does it shape what's the, in the world? The, the, the suggestion is that the spirit will shape it so that you understand it and see it, so that you have a reference point. That's my experience because really it's yeah. just energy that you're experiencing. So how does it shape itself so that you understand that it's something extraordinary? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So people can find your books on Amazon, can't they? They just got yeah. to put your name in Ruth Roper yeah. Wild and it will bring up all of your books and they're yeah, available Bridget. in print and on Kindle. So it's really easy to get a hold of them. If they wanted to contact you on social media or they wanted to send stories, how would they do that?
1: Um, I'm on Facebook, Pinterest and Twitter. And all of those, just type, type in my full name, Ruth Roper yeah. Wild. Because you have a proper
0: ghost hunter's name. I mean, that's. <laughs> it. It's a really good name. It and, really is. and
1: because it's a, a triple-barrelled name, like you know, three names, I'm the only Ruth Roper Wild that comes up. So that's if you Google way. me, you'll find all my social media platforms. Um, but, you know, you can also email me. Um, my email address is wa-one-four-zero-zero at outlook.com. Um, so please, wonderful. please tell me your stories.
0: Yeah, this is, I've so enjoyed talking to you. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I'm, I'm really grateful for you to be on my very first show. Thank <laughs> you really so enjoyed much. It. It's been
1: really nice I to meet you.
0: I hope one day we can do this again and maybe even meet in person sometime. That would be fantastic. That
1: would be really cool. I do come <laughs> down your neck of the woods sometime so I'll let you know. Oh, if I'm coming.
0: <laughs> listen, when you do, you message me, come and have a cup cuppa here. You'd love my house. It's, a, it's as haunted as anything here.
1: Love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've our house is built on the site of a of a roman forge so it oh, was a famous, it? yeah so it, it's it's got a special energy this house but anyway look thank you so much and thank you for giving me your time today and i look forward to yeah chatting with you again in the future
1: well, thank wonderful. you so
0: much Ru. Thank, thank you, you. been listening to spiritually gifted with host joe Dutfield. we hope you enjoyed the show please keep in touch via our facebook page spiritually gifted podcast or by email to spiritually gifted at yahoo.com and remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode until next time take care